0: him with music and song, for the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's sing together, come thou almighty king. Well, it's my pleasure to be with you this morning, grace and peace. I am uh, Pastor Aaron Vanderveen, one of the campus pastors here at Hardaway. I'm the campus pastor at Watershed. So you get me this morning because Pastor Bill went on vacation. What? No, uh, we certainly pray for uh, Pastor Bill and Mary Lynn as they spend time with family in South Carolina, get to see his mom, some of his kids, and, and family. We praise God for that. I want to give you one announcement. Yesterday, uh, Grace Veld here uh, suffered a heart attack. Uh, she is, however, recovering at Holland Hospital. So uh, we praise God uh, that they were able to get her there to um, be treating her. And so we want to be praying for her strength. Uh, but I uh, wanted to make you aware of that. And uh, as we gather together this morning, I also have another bit of news, and this is maybe better news. One of our council members, Luke Joyce, this morning, we want to pray for him. I roped him into preaching at Watershed. So, watch out. And Pastor Darwin said this when I was installed. Watch out. Aaron may ask you to do something. And I asked Luke if he would ever be interested in preaching, and he said yes. So, I don't know, uh, but uh, pray for Luke this morning as he shares God's word. I had the privilege of working with him over the last month in preparation. So if you see me bug out kind of quick, uh, I've got to get over there to, to help support him this morning. Uh, but uh, certainly appreciate your prayers as not only one of our council members leading us here at Hardawike, but as he steps into, um, into the courage, the strength of the Lord as he shares the word this morning. Uh, but as we continue in worship today, let's go to this catechism that we love, the Heidelberg Catechism. Right? You may be seated. I, I just got the word to have you seat, you know. I'm not used to this. So, you know, there's interactions fine on my behalf. But, uh, yeah, let's go to these words. These are words that I've grown up with. These are words that, um, before, before we get into this, this is, just, this is me. This is what you get with Aaron. But at the end of seminary, when I had to write my final credo paper, these were the words that I begun with, because these words I grew up knowing were the gospel. Right? This is the truth for us, this question and answer one of the catechism. So as we think about these words, I know many of you have known them for a long time. Some of you have maybe, possibly never heard them. But as we think and listen, as we say the answer together, let these words sit in on your hearts this morning. The Catechism asks us this question, what is your only comfort in life and in death? Let's answer together. That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for my sins with his precious blood, and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. To live for Him. As we sing, breathe on me breath of God, I invite you to stay seated and let's sing this song reflectively as we praise our Lord together. Let's continue in prayer. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we invite you to breathe your life into us this morning through your Holy Spirit. We thank you and praise you that the breath we breathe today is a gift from you. We praise you and honor you for the life that we live not only today, but the promise of eternity with you. We thank you that you have rescued us from the tyranny of the devil. You've rescued us from our sins and our brokenness, that you forgive us, that when we, Lord, like the prodigal son, run and and live in wastefulness, or we, like the older son, neglect the gift of your presence, Lord, you are a father always beckoning, beckoning us to return always inviting us back into the party. Lord, forgiving, not only just letting us back in, but lavishing us over and over again with your love in your life. God, thank you. We praise you. We honor you this morning. Thank you that we can be gathered together today as a celebration community to worship you, to honor you. Lord, to be renewed by your spirit, to to lift you up in our praises, to meet you in these songs. Lord, to be able to pray to you words that we have prepared and we have uh, thought of, Lord, that I have been focusing on. And yet to know that your spirit will pray words we don't ourselves know how to pray. God, thank you that we can come into your throne room with boldness because we know that you are a God who is for us and not against us. You are a God who has welcomed us into relationship with you and you have restored that relationship. Thank you. Lord, and we recognize too today on this Lord's Day That this is a day where this Sabbath, this, this moment where we can rest from the labors that we've put ourselves to, that in the other six days and 23 hours of our lives, when we seem to be running, Lord, when we seem to be, life is twisting, sometimes we feel like we might even be chasing our tail. God, that in this moment, we can be refreshed by your word and by your spirit. That, God, you actually give us permission. You actually command us to stop. That the world actually needs us to stop. Because the world needs to rest. Father, I pray that this Sabbath rest today would be that for each of us. That we would be renewed and refreshed in your presence and in your life. And we pray this, Lord, not only for us as a community at Celebration, we pray for our brothers and sisters at Watershed this morning in Fusion and Mission. And God, for our brothers and sisters in faith, not only on our Haderwijk campus, but across this Holland and Zealand community. God, we know there are churches galore, but we are part of one church. And so we pray for our brothers and sisters. We do not compete with them. God, we want the best for our brothers and sisters. We, we, we celebrate when they succeed, and we weep when they fail. Lord, because we know in our failures, we've needed brothers and sisters in faith to walk alongside of us. In our successes, we've invited others to celebrate along with us. But Lord, may your church be one church in this community and in this world so that the world would see your goodness amongst the multitudes of divisions. Lord, it's not hard to look. We can can turn our phones on this morning. We can turn the television on. We can look in our email inbox. We can look even on and down our streets. Maybe it's even in our families. Divisions run rampant. Father, you are a God who who unites. You're a God who tears down walls. And so we pray that you continue to tear down those walls. That you continue to unite us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that your light may shine in this world. your, Your light may shine through us. That your life may come through us and even in spite of us. Not only for your glory, but God for this creation that you have created and loved and seek to restore. Lord, as we think about our celebration community this morning, we think about Steve and Grace, we think about Grace in particular. God, that you would strengthen her, that you would heal her body. God, thank you that uh, the doctors were there, that, the, that we have hospitals, that we have emergency rooms, that we have people ready to serve who are gifted in those moments. That, but at the end of the day, Lord, it's you who heal, it's you who saves, and you who restores. So Lord, restore grace, strengthen her today, lift her spirits as well as her physical body. God, we thank you that Dale is uh, doing well as he continues on his knee, from his knee replacement surgery, God, we, we, we pray that you continue to, 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 to make that knee, uh, Lord, just the body not reject it and, and just take it on as if it were his own, Lord, and that, that he gets back up on his feet. Lord, I know they're going to be pressing him and pushing him for it, but Lord, that you minimize the pain and again, you strengthen him. For Ginger, as she continues as well to recover from her hip replacement Lord, the same prayers go for her. Strengthen them. God, we uh, also think about Jim and Marilyn this morning and, Lord, their sister in law. Lord, who passed away and her family. Lord, for Pete. Lord, as they grieve the loss of Marilyn. Lord, their sister in law, God. May there first be a a peace that surpasses all understanding. That would guard their hearts and their minds. May your hope of a resurrection. That death doesn't win. It may have a sting. But Lord, you even defeat death. And you resurrect us into life. Lord, that she is resurrected into your presence and into your life. Death may have had a say, but it doesn't have a say for long. God, may your hope be strength especially for Pete this morning. But Lord, strengthen them. And as they grieve, Lord, because loss is loss. And we do shed tears. We do have a separation. We do have a hole in our heart. God, may you fill that even more. May they know that the God who loves them isn't far off, but is near to the brokenhearted, who restores the brokenhearted, saves those who are crushed in spirit. So, Lord, lift them, strengthen them this morning. Father, these are just some of the prayers that we bring before you. We celebrate you. We pray to you because you're the one who is able. Lord, so often my flesh is weak. My spirit longs for something more. I know what I cannot do. I become more and more aware in my life of what I'm not able to do. But the beauty is in that I become more and more aware of what you can. And so today, Lord, we rest in what you are able to do. Father, rescue, continue to restore and renew until one day we see you fresh face-to-face. And until that day, Lord, we will continue to pray the words of this prayer that Jesus our Savior gave us to pray, and we pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, As we forgive our debtors, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we've been continuing all summer long since Easter in our devoted series. We've been journeying through the book of Acts. And so today... We're in Acts 20. Acts 20, starting in verse 17. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles or follow along on the screens or even on your devices as we read God's Word this morning. Acts 20, starting in verse 17. Let's hear God's Word together today. From Miletus, which was a seaside city, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I've lived with you the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord, has, Lord Jesus has given to me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I've gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. So keep watch over yourself and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he's, brought, he's bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in amongst you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I've never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not covenanted, covenant, coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But when Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him what grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again and then they accompanied him to the ship let's again invite god's spirit to speak to us holy spirit god's presence and power that dwells within us the very peace of god within spirit you inspired these words that we just read these are your words god not mine not ours And so, God, we pray that you would speak. Speak now to us, your children. Speak your truth, Lord, through my words into each of us so that we might be transformed, we might be changed, we might be encouraged by what you have to say. Lord, again, speak for we, your children, are here listening. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. All God's children said, amen. I entitled the message this morning, Famous Last Words. Paul has this opportunity to spend time with the Ephesian elders. They weep over the fact that this is is the last time they will see one another. And so, what does he say to them? As I thought about famous last words, I thought about some famous last words we've heard. Or at least famous people's last words. So, if you don't mind, I'd like to read some last words of famous people. I brought me first to Elvis Presley. How do you like that? Yes, he is dead. He's not alive. Sorry. (laughs) Ginger Alden, who was his then fiancé in 1977, recalls that Elvis Presley's last words were this, I'm going to the bathroom to read. Right, all right. (laughs) Raphael, the artist, Italian artist, his famous last word was happy. How do you like that? happy. Bessie Smith, she was a blues singer. She said, I'm going, but I'm going in the name of the Lord. I love the confidence there. Frank Sinatra, Sinatra, old blue eyes, what does he say? I'm losing it. Nostradamus, he predicted. This was the night before. Tomorrow at sunrise, I shall no longer be here. Okay, well, thanks for that one. Marie Antoinette, as she was going to the guillotine, stepped on the foot of her executioner and said, pardon moi, monsieur. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not, I, I can't speak. Harriet Tubman, as friends and family gathered around, sang together with her, swing low, sweet chariot. Leonardo da Vinci, another artist, Raphael says, wow, Leonardo da Vinci says this, I've offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Think about the regret in that. And yet we go to museums to see what God created through him, and he couldn't see God's goodness in his own life. Buddy Rich, a drummer, I love this. Right before surgery, he died after surgery in 1987. But as he goes into surgery, the nurse says, is there anything that you can't take? And he said, yeah, country music. (laughs) Michael Landon, Highway to Heaven, right? Little house on the prairie, gathered around with his family. His son told him it was time to move on. And he said, you're right, it's time. I love you all. Right, a gift to be able to say that. Humphrey Bogart, right? Best known is, here's looking at you, kid. Uh, When his wife, Lauren Bacall, had to leave, he died while his wife had to leave and go get the kids, said, goodbye, kid, hurry back. Not quite, here's looking at you, but nonetheless. Then Charles Gussman, most of us wouldn't know him, but if you turn on the television still today, Eastern Standard Time at about 1 o'clock, and so are the days of our lives, right? This is Charles Gusman. He wrote the pilot episode. He wanted his last words to be memorable, and his daughter reminded him of this. So as he, she reminds him of this, this desire of his, he pulls down his oxygen mask and says this. And now for a final word from our sponsor. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock said, one never knows the ending. One has to die to know exactly what happens after death. Although Catholics have their hopes, I'd like to say, you know, all Christians have their hopes. Joan Crawford, famous actress, right? She yelled at her housekeeper who was praying for her, yelled an expletive, and then said, don't you dare ask God to help me. What a way to die. And finally, Bo Diddley, gave a thumbs up as he listened to his song, Walk Around Heaven, and said, wow. Our last words can be powerful things. It can say a lot about us, what we believe, what we hold on to. Not just our last words in life, but oftentimes even our last words as we send children off to college. Our last words as we kiss our daughter and give her away, her wedding, to her soon-to-be husband, right? As we take this guy in, we weren't quite planning on. My daughter's 13. Hi, Bella. She's waving up there. (laughs) I'm not there yet. We're not getting there yet. (laughs) Right? Our last words mean something and they hold on to something. They tell us about what we believe, what we hold on to. And Paul, in this moment, has an opportunity to share last words with his friends from Ephesus. If we go back to last week, we heard that Paul had spent nearly three years in Ephesus. Up to this time, he had spent a year and a half in Corinth. Before that, he only usually spent weeks at a time, if that, maybe months at best. But in Ephesus, this metropolis of Asia Minor or Turkey, the map's up there for you. Ephesus was a major port town, a major city of life. It was, think New York, LA, think even Tokyo, right? As the Olympics are finishing. It was a hub of of religion and politics, of philosophy, Right? Pastor Bill last week preached on Paul and in the community and the God Artemis and all of those pieces. But in that, Paul spent three years building the church, being part of God, seeing God's work in his life proclaimed in this city. So much so that the gospel went out to that whole region. In Acts 19, we're told that the whole gospel went out So as he's passing by, and why, we hear earlier in Acts 20 today that Paul needs to get to Jerusalem by Pentecost. He wanted to celebrate with Christians in Pentecost. So um, it's not like today you just jump on a plane and get there in a few hours, right? I mean, this is, he, he traveled by ship. Many times he would travel by foot, but he was traveling by ship to get there. He knew if he would stay in Ephesus, he'd get hung up. So he stops in Miletus, which is just south, as you can see on the map. But he has enough time to call his friends. And as we heard, this was a pretty weepy event, wasn't it? And yet Paul shared some words. And he wanted them to remember something. He wants us today. God wants us to remember something. What is the most important thing, right? Because when I die, when I send my kids off, I want them to remember what I have to say, not regret it. Right? I want them to to take with them and, and be able to stand on the things that I say, not wish that they had never been a part of them. Paul starts by saying this in Acts 20, verse 21. He says this, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly from house to house. I've declared to both Jew and Greeks that they must trust in God to... They must turn, sorry, they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. This was what he contended for. In verse 24, he would say, I contended for the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. That good news of God's life, God's grace. Right? And I haven't hesitated. I have no regrets. In verses 18 to 19, he said, you saw how I lived amongst you. He shared his life with them. He didn't just talk to them. They they experienced life with him. They knew what it was like when he was working on a piece of leather as a tent maker, possibly fixing someone's purse. They saw him as as he shared meals with them. They saw him as he spoke. By the way, the story just before this, uh, uh, the community would see him speak at length many times. In fact, so much so that in the story before this, he was speaking so long, a young man sitting in the window fell out the window and died because he fell asleep. So I'm going to try not to put you to sleep this morning. However, by God's grace, he ran out, threw himself on Eutychus, and God raised this young man to life. Right? God raised life. But Paul shared his life. He shared community with them. He said, I didn't hesitate. In verse 26 and 27, he actually even goes on to say, I'm innocent of your blood. I've done everything possible so that you might know this truth, that you might put your faith In the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder this morning, how do people remember us? Right, as we think about famous last words, as we think about the life that we live, as we think about handing our children off to others, as we think about moving from one town and friends to other, what is the legacy that we leave behind? What do people remember us for? Today, we remember Paul for what? The fact that no matter what city he went to, he would contend for the gospel. No matter what hardship he faced, he was about one thing. People knowing Jesus and God's amazing grace. That there was freedom in the finished work of Jesus And that Jesus would bring that work to completion finally and fully when he would return to earth. That was worth it. We remember, Paul, today we have God's very word to keep reminding us of that truth. But how will people remember us? Today as my children sit in this very room, as Kendra sits here, how will they remember me? The fact that I get to be standing again with you as a community of brothers and sisters in faith from 15 years ago. How did you remember me in those 15 years? How will you remember me when God calls me into the next step? How will we remember each other? Paul Continues though, he gives this great word. I love, you know. I was like, okay, at first, and I love the 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 process of writing a sermon. It's just a joy. Not only do I get to spend time with with JB and Bill, and and we get to dive into the word. I've never had an experience like this in my life, which is just amazing. We got to do this when Luke was here. JB has just fit right in. Um, This is why, folks. It it just was. It's just too hard to leave. I got to stick around. Y'all are awesome, and <laughs> I'm going to work with some phenomenal people. But to, the, the process of writing a sermon where when you sit in God's Word, and your God, what do you want said? And, and I thought initially it's going to be Paul contending, and this is just, this is it. And it's like, yeah, all right, I'm an athlete. There's all kinds of illustrations. But this verse, for whatever reason, grabbed my attention. It was verse 32. And again, these are, these are, Words that Paul wants these Ephesian elders, these leaders, to remember. Let's hear them again. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I commit you to God. I entrust you. That's what the word commit means. Commit means to entrust into someone's care and protection. Paul knows that he can say this to his brothers in the faith from the Ephesian church, right? Those who are near and dear to him. Why? Because he knows the God who has protected him through and walked through and strengthened him through the hardships, the trials, who who kept him from the times. He says, listen, folks, brothers, I love you and I want you to know something. Not only put your faith in Jesus, but the one who you put your faith in is able to hold you. Right, what is our only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but what? Belong, body and soul to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says, I commit you to God. I've done everything I can, like a good parent does, but that's, that's the thing, right? Is we are only called to steward our children. We're only called to steward the lives of our friends, To steward the lives of our family, our co workers, to represent Christ the best we can. However, at the end of the day, they are God's, they are not ours. You are my brothers and sisters in faith, you are not mine. I'm called to steward life in you and in this community. Pastor Bill is called to steward life. Pastor Darwin, Pastor JB, right? We're called to steward life. We try to represent Jesus. However, the beauty is Jesus can do that for himself. He's good enough to hold you and strengthen you. And Paul says, I want you to remember that today. I commit you, I entrust you to God. And not only do I entrust you to God, but to the what? Word of his grace. Remember back to John 1, what is Jesus? Jesus is the word, right? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So this Jesus, the word, is what? Then Paul says, grace. Not try harder, not become better. Not, it's all on you. Oh, by the way, Jesus was good enough to save you, but then go back to be just like all the Pharisees. Hey, don't be like the Pharisees, but we're going to try to make you like them. Right? See, they think it's all on them, so we don't want you to be like that because that can't save you. So we're going to preach God's grace, but however, when you, once you, you know that grace, we want you to be like them. We do that a lot. We'll get to that in just a minute, a little bit more. But for Paul, grace is the very fundamental truth of the message of God. If he's going to leave you with a word about what all the word is, it is grace, an unmerited favor of God, an unearned love. God doing what we could not do for us. Because if we could do any part of it, he isn't necessary. Paul reminds the church, reminds the leaders, We go with the gospel of God's grace, verse 24. That's the good news. Because it's this good news that does what? It builds us up. In the Greek, the build up means to make you into a temple or a shrine. In the book of Ephesians, actually, Paul will say, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We are God's house built together where God wants to work through us, Right, he doesn't, It doesn't mean grace doesn't mean we're not going to change, but it's grace that is the very foundation for the change that comes in our life, which, by the way, is a fruit of God. We only participate in what God's trying to do within us. But it's grace that will build us up. It is God's grace, his unmerited favor and love that will change us and transform us. It is not the fruit of Aaron. It is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, Get on board with him because God will build you up. Not only is he the one who I can entrust you to and his grace good enough to hold you and save you, but his grace is good enough to build you up and strengthen you and make you into a house for his presence in this world. And then on top of that, give you an inheritance amongst the sanctified. (laughs) Those who are cleansed and pure and holy I didn't earn that inheritance. You didn't earn that inheritance. You didn't do it by making yourself more holy. It was his grace that gave us the inheritance that we have. He is the one who has rescued us from the, from the tyranny of the devil that brings us into life. In Hebrews 10, we're reminded it is in Jesus that we are fully, we are completed as holy, even though He continues to make us holy. Wait a second. Did you catch that? We're completely holy in Christ. That means if you or I die today, the father looks at his son before he sees us and says, they're good, they're clean, they're clear in me. If they put their faith in me, they stand in what I've done. You are fully and finally completed in the eyes of the father. That's how much God loves you. And as long as we live, he continues to make that reality known more and more in our lives. So that we get transformed by that grace. Right, question and answer two of the catechism says what? What must I do to live and die in the joy of this comfort? First, how great my sin and misery are. (laughs) The condition I'm in. And then how I have been rescued from that sin and misery, So that third, what? In gratitude, I can live. In light of that rescue. Right? It's grace that transforms us, that builds us up, that is our inheritance. These are the most important words of Paul to his friends. So folks, brothers and sisters, we should heed these words this morning as the most important words for us. I want to take us back to last week, and I believe Pastor Bill shared this chart of the cross. And in it, it you know, does, it doesn't tell the whole story, but, it, but it's trying to make clear a very simple truth, right? That once we come to know the cross, Jesus was there before we're converted. In the process of evangelism, it is as much a discipleship as anything else. It's just coming to know who Jesus is. But there's that moment where we give our lives to Christ. We understand, we put our faith in him. And in that, that, that moment, we begin to really see what, how great my sin and misery are. Whoop, there's that dig, downward decline. But we also in that see how great and awesome our God is. And what needs to happen in that space as we understand the holiness of God, the complete otherness of God, the wonder of God, and we know more and more of who we are. We can never live up to him. We need to have a bigger, bigger picture of what? Jesus. Of the grace of God. Just, I mean, this is the tricky thing about life, isn't it? Maybe a funny thing, I don't know, or frustrating thing. The minute I think I get it over here, I found out there's something over here that I'm totally oblivious to, right? I think I got this sin licked, Woo! And God goes, yeah, you just didn't know I didn't pull away the whole veil when I showed you that one, son. Right? Or I learned something new about God and I recognized, man, God, I, I haven't honored you in that. I didn't know that. Forgive me. I repent. I change my mind. I change the way that I act and I believe because I know this now is true. But the only way we can live life is that greater understanding of the gospel. That's what Paul is saying here. And what else does he do and say, though, to these leaders? He says, keep watch. be on your your guard for yourself and shepherd the flock in this truth. Why? Because there are going to come others who try to distort that truth, even others from amongst you. One of the ways we see this often, especially in the church, is what I said earlier. We go, look at you can't stand to the law. We're going we're gonna to use the law in its right place and, and go, see, you need Jesus because you can't possibly live up to everything the law has for you, right? That, that's, we're taught that. We know that the law helps us know of our need for Christ. It's a boundary for life, yes, but it helps us come aware of our sin and our brokenness. We need Christ. But then we go, wow, you've been rescued from this. And then what do we do on the flip end of not live in the rescue? We put the law right back on top of you and say, you've got to perform better. You've got to be better. This has all got to be in your strength, right? And so the cross never grows in the midst of God's holiness and our sinfulness. The cross only stays itty-bitty, and then we're stuck doing what? Performing or pretending doing both playing a game more than living a life. Paul wanted for the church and for us. That wasn't the life God saved us into. Not into a game. Not into one where we can perform or pretend. In his grace and his love, he said, no, bring all of you to all of me. And all of me is more than enough for all of you not only to rescue you from everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going to go, but also all of me is good enough to complete the work, Philippians 1, 6, that I started in you. That all of me through the Holy Spirit, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit in Acts, all of me, the power, the presence, and the peace of God dwelling within you is more than enough for you to keep taking the next step forward in life. Now, Paul didn't get to see his friends again. However, when he was imprisoned, was able to write to them. And in the middle of the letter to the Ephesians, he prays a prayer. Much like our final words, right? They mean something. Oftentimes, our prayers are some of the most important words that we share. Listen to this prayer that he prays this morning from Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, right? There's that faith part. That's our part, but that Christ may dwell in our hearts. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp what? How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. His grace. And to know his love that surpasses knowledge, right? Grace is an upside down thing. It doesn't make sense. Listen, I, my name is Van Der Veen. I'm Dutch. You work for it, baby. <laughs> upside down it surpasses knowledge right but Paul says I pray that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God and then he says this now to him who is what able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us He's able to do more according to a power that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He says what he said in verse 32, just in a different way. I pray that you know how deep and wide it's the love of God. Because God is the one who can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Talk about some final words. Amen? Right? When I think of Bo Diddley, (laughs) I'd rather be giving a thumbs up to walking around heaven saying, wow. Instead of saying, don't you dare ask God to help me wonder this morning leave you just with this question How does the good news of god's grace right, his unmerited favor impact how you live in relationship with god and others right, how does that put you into relationship with others as well as what you are passing on to them is this our legacy if it was good enough for paul Brothers and sisters, it's going to be good enough for me. This is how I'm going to continue to serve you. I know this is how Pastor Bill serves. This is how I know my brother JB serves. This is the message we continue to want to be about and pass on. Because, man, Paul wrote how much of the New Testament? (laughs) Three quarters of it. (laughs) If it was good enough for him, it's good enough for me. Let's pray. God, thank you for that beautiful message of your grace that Paul left with the church. Thank you for the fact that we can be held in your hands, that we are committed to you. We are entrusted into your care, and there is no better care than yours. Father, not only are we entrusted to your care, but we're, in, we're, we're entrusted into a message of your grace. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be changed. It doesn't mean that, that our lives aren't going to look different and need to look different, Lord. You certainly take sin seriously. You died on the cross to judge all of it and to bear all of its pain and shame. So you take sin seriously. However, our starting point is resting not in what we can do, but in you, what you can do. Because the only way we'll change is knowing that you're for us and not against us and that you're able to work in and through all circumstances of our lives for all of those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Lord, you're the one who is able to build us up. Thank you for that good news today. You're the one who who makes us into a temple. You're the one who shines a light through us, in us, and even in spite of us. God, and you're the one who saves us into an inheritance of the sanctified. Lord, we're pure and holy because of you. That will always be the answer. And while you make that reality known to us in life, you will make that reality known finally and fully when we see you face to face. So Lord, may this gospel be good news to us today that lives in us, that dwells in us, so that it becomes good news to those we encounter. Lord, it's there. You're, per- you're pursuing our neighbors and our friends, our family, our, our coworkers. You're pursuing all of them. You're- if, you're get- if they can breathe today, your goodness is present and-, present and alive. So Lord, we don't build something or bring something. You're already there. We, however, can, sh- can help pull back the veil. So help us be messengers of the good news. That we would contend like Paul, no matter what the circumstance may be. Lord, to share this, to share your goodness. So, Lord, take our lives, all of our lives, and let them be consecrated to you, Lord Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's children said, Amen. If you'll stand and join us as we sing, take my life and let it be. as you live into that very prayer go now with this blessing this benediction from our lord the lord bless you and keep you the lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you the lord lift up his countenance his smile upon you and give you his peace in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and all god's children said amen Amen.